The longest distance that a human has ever swam in the open ocean in a 24-hour period was broken in July of 21 by Pablo Fernandez, who swam 155 miles, 155 miles, let me say it again and let it set in, in the open ocean in 24 hours. That is crazy, right? Now, if you ask someone, two other people, to swim double that distance, they wouldn't reach the mark before their bodies gave out. And you know, it wouldn't really matter who got closer to that goal of 310 miles. They both would still miss the mark that had been set for them. The impossible standard of the law doesn't give us the ability to compare or to compete, but it convicts all of us of our same imperfection. We need to learn that the law in the Old Testament was never given to us to function as a standard for us to actually meet. But as Paul tells us, the law was given to us to reveal our sin and to reveal our need for a savior. Well, today we are going to see the downfall that comes to us when we put our confidence in the flesh because we will always miss the mark. And the joy that we can find when we put our confidence in Jesus. And I hope that we can learn, like Paul, to consider everything as loss, that we may gain Jesus and be found in him, having a righteousness that doesn't come from our own accomplishments, but a righteousness that only comes through Jesus. Over the last number of weeks, we have been studying through Paul's letter to the Philippians. And so if you want to go ahead and turn there to Philippians chapter 3, we'll get there in just a moment. Um, and, And through our study of Philippians, we have seen some amazing examples of mature living. We have seen over and over again examples of people who were living for Jesus and living like Jesus. We have also seen four examples of people who were doing nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but through humility were putting the others above themselves. We saw the example of Jesus and Paul, and then last week we saw the example of Timothy and Epaphroditus. So if you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me over to the book of Philippians. And if you don't have a Bible, we have some on the back table. We would love to give you a copy of God's Word. Please take one as a gift from us to you. Philippians is on the right side of your Bible if you are looking for it. It comes right after the book of Ephesians, right before the book of Colossians. It's in the New Testament. And we're going to start there in verse 1 of Philippians chapter 3. We'll also have it up here on the screen that you can read along and follow with with us. So Paul says in verse 1, he says, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I have no trouble for me. It is no trouble for me to write the same thing to you again. And it is a safeguard for you. Let's pause there for just a moment. We have seen through the study of Philippians over and over again that Paul 
is always offering these prayers of joy, specifically for the Philippians, Paul says that he rejoices that Jesus is proclaimed in him no matter what he's going through, no matter what circumstances he finds himself in. And as he pens these words, he is in prison and still he says, I rejoice that Jesus is proclaimed through me. Paul asks the Philippians to make his joy complete by being united in Jesus. So again here, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. And Paul has no problem in in writing this and saying this again and again, because as he says here, it is their safeguard. Rejoice in the Lord. This is their sure thing. When all else is going wrong, we can still have joy in Jesus. We can still have joy for our journey. We can still rejoice in the Lord even when everything else is falling apart. When things that we find our happiness in fail, and they will, we know that we can trust in God's promises as our safeguard, as our sure thing. Remember, Paul is locked up. He is in prison. He is in chains for the gospel at this point, and he shouldn't have had a lot to rejoice about. And yet, over and over again in this letter, he is talking about the joy that he has to rejoice in the Lord because he can always rejoice in the Lord, even when his circumstances are failing him. Look at verse two with me. Paul continues and he says, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, who put no confidence in the flesh. Paul warns us to beware of, as he says, those dogs, those evil doers. Paul is warning us about people who put their confidence, who put their trust in the flesh, and he calls them evil doers. Now, specifically for the Philippians and for the early church, Paul is talking about being aware of the false circumcision. So at, at this point, there was a group of followers of Jesus who were not only followers of Jesus, but who were also Jewish. And, and they were trying to add something to the faith and trying to add something to putting their faith in Jesus. And they said that people also had to be circumcised, which was a mark of the old covenant between God and Israel in the Old Testament. And we begin to see this group kind of in Acts chapter 15. In Acts 15, verse 1, it says, Certain people came down from Judea and Antioch and were teaching the believers that unless you are circumcised according to the old custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And this brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. And so... Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some of the other believers to go up to Jerusalem and to see the apostles and the elders about this question. Do not have that up on the slides? Acts chapter 2? That's okay. I just want to make sure I I didn't forget to put them in. (laughs) 
So this group of non-Jewish believers or Gentiles were being told by these Jewish believers in Jesus that unless they also were circumcised, this mark of the Old Testament, this mark of the Old Covenant, uh, that they could not be saved. And so Paul and Barnabas begin discussing with them and begin debating with them and, and saying, look, this is not what God has called us to. He has saved us through Jesus alone. We don't need to try to add anything to it. And so the church there, as they are discussing and talking about all these things, they decide to uh, go and to, to send Paul and Barnabas and a group of others to, up to Jerusalem um, and finish having this discussion in front of the elders in the church in Jerusalem there. Uh, and the elders in the church of Jerusalem were also made up by many of the apostles, those first followers of Jesus who Jesus appointed to be apostles, and some other men who were serving as elders. And so Paul and Barnabas and this group of other followers, they, they go up to Jerusalem and they meet with the apostles and they meet with the elders and they begin sharing with them all the things that God had been doing out through whole, the whole area and how God had been bringing salvation not only to the Jewish people, but also to the non-Jewish people, the Gentile people. And then a group that had come along with them, most likely from the group of the Pharisees, they come along and they begin talking to the elders and the apostles there and talking about how uh, they believe that circumcision also needed to be a part of salvation. And so the apostles and the elders, they, after hearing both of these sides and, and listening to all of the different discussion, they meet by themselves and they begin to pray over this matter. And then Peter, he stands up and he says this in Acts chapter 15, verse 7. He says, after much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. And he says, brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving them the Holy Spirit uh, to them, just as he did to us. He's talking back about Cornelius and his household as Peter went and shared the gospel with them. He continues and he says, he, talking about God, did not discriminate between us and them. He, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear. No, we believe that it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, that they are saved just, excuse me, that we are saved just as they are. So this is the false circumcision that Paul is talking about here in Philippians 2. It's this idea that, uh, that you have to add something to the faith. They believed they needed to add the old and follow the old covenant in order to be saved. Now, we rejoice in the Lord because even though we are unable to be saved by the law, by following the law, because not because the law is imperfect, but because we fall short, we are still saved by the one who has followed the law, by the one who has lived a sinless life, a perfect life through Jesus. 
And so Paul is telling us here that we are to put no confidence, no pride in the flesh, but we are to put our confidence, our pride, our trust in God through faith in Jesus alone. Now, friends, you may be sitting here thinking, Thomas, why in the world are we talking about this, right? There's not a big debate going on still whether or not people should be circumcised under the law of Moses today. But you know, there's still a lot of us who tried to put confidence in the flesh. We try to put our trust in our own accomplishments. We we try to put our confidence in the things that we can do ourselves. We think, you know what? I, I can save myself. I don't need God. I can rescue myself. I can work really hard. I can do a lot of good stuff, and, and, and I can outweigh the bad things that I've done. We, we think that we can do it ourselves. We can save ourselves. We think, you know what, I've got to work really hard to clean up my life so that I can, I can uh, be worth being saved. Now, friends, let me ask you, before you go and take a shower, do you go and clean yourself up? No. That's what the shower's for, right? <laughs> Jesus is the same way. Jesus is the one who cleans us up. We cannot wash away our own sins without Jesus. Salvation is only found in Jesus. And when we think that we need to clean, clean ourselves up before we can be saved or, or somehow we can become worthy of salvation, we are putting our confidence in ourselves, in the flesh. And friends, we can't save ourselves. Or maybe we say, yes, I, I am saved by Jesus and it's been a free gift, but I got to pay him back. We think, yeah, yeah, Jesus saved me, but now I've got to work really hard to pay him back for what he has done on my behalf. Friends, salvation is a free gift of God because Jesus has already paid the price in full. He doesn't take our IOUs. They're no good to God. When we do... When we try to pay back what Jesus has done for us, all we are really trying to do is putting confidence in the flesh. It's putting trust in ourselves. So friends, let me ask you this morning, where is your trust put? Where is your confidence put? Is it in yourself? In your own abilities? Is your confidence maybe even in your title? Or maybe it's in your money? Or your stuff? Maybe your confidence is put in other people. Or is your confidence found completely in Jesus? Is your trust found completely in the work that Jesus has done on your behalf? You can't add anything to it. Now look, this is where Paul could have put his confidence at. Look at the next verses there in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 4. 
Paul continues and says, Though I myself have reason for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reason to put, the conf- put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. Paul says, if there is anyone who has reason to put confidence in their own accomplishments, to put confidence in the flesh, it is me, Paul says, circumcised on the eighth day, which is what the law in the Old Testament required. This was a mark to show the commitment of Israel to the covenant that God made with them. Paul says, I'm an Israelite of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, To the law, he was a Pharisee. Now, the Pharisees were a group of people who were known for following the letter of the law to the T. In fact, they would actually make rules on top of the law to make sure they didn't get anywhere close to breaking the law. And then they would force other people to follow their rules that they made up. (laughs) That was Paul. I mean, according to the law, man, he was a Pharisee. But they missed the whole point of what the law, including Paul, they thought that they could somehow earn their salvation, somehow they could save themselves by following the law, and they missed the whole point of the law that God gave them was to show his holiness, to show how far far short they they fall from holiness and their need for a savior. They thought that they could rescue themselves and save themselves. Paul says, as for zeal for God, he even persecuted the church, thinking that the church was leading people away from God. As far as being righteous was concerned, Paul says that he could be found faultless when it came to the law. He can be found blameless. Paul had everything that you could get count as gain. Paul had accomplished it all. What more could Paul ask for? What more could Paul have? Before coming to Jesus, Paul put his confidence in his flesh. He put his confidence in his accomplishments. In fact, Paul was on track for some of the highest positions and titles and places, not only in Judaism, but also in society. Paul had reason to put confidence in his flesh, in his accomplishments, in himself, in everything that he had done. But now that Paul has been saved by Jesus, I want you to see how Paul sees all of these accomplishments, how he sees all of these things that he used to put his confidence in. Look at verse 7. He says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may may gain Christ and be found in him 
not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is found through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Everything that Paul put his confidence in, all the things that he saw as gains, everything that would lead Paul to put his confidence in himself, he now counts as loss for the sake of Jesus. He counts as loss in view of knowing Jesus. All of Paul's accomplishments and gains were counted as rubbish, as garbage. He saw them as trash so that Paul may gain Jesus. Not having a righteousness of his own ability, but having a righteousness that is only found in Jesus Christ through faith. That is what it means to rejoice in the Lord. It's not about what we can do for God, but it's about what God has already done for us through Jesus. This is the confidence that the writer of Hebrews is talking about when he says we can have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. It's confidence not in ourselves, but it's confidence in Jesus. And friends, when we put our confidence in Jesus, we can rejoice in the Lord. But when we put our confidence in our flesh, we will always be disappointed. We will always be let down. And friends, we can find joy for our journey only when we are putting our trust and our confidence in Jesus. Now here at Journey Church, we we say it like this. We say that we trust that Jesus is all that we need and that we are being transformed by who he is and what he has done. Friends, this is the only way that we can live lives that are pleasing to God is by us trusting that Jesus is all that we need. It's by us being transformed by who he is and what he has done. This is the only way that we can give God the best of everything that we are and have every day is by us putting our confidence and our trust in Jesus alone. When we put our confidence in the flesh, when we are pursuing happiness in our lives, we will always be disappointed. When we are trying to do it on our own, when we are trying to save ourselves or accomplish it on our own, we will always fail. When we put our trust in other people, they will always let us down. When we are seeking our fulfillment only in our jobs, in our titles, we will always be disappointed. When we think that just more money and more stuff and more things will make us happy, we will always still go away empty. Happiness is fleeting, but joy is found only in God. And when we are trusting, when we are putting our confidence in Jesus, that he is all that we need, 
when we are putting our confidence in the righteousness that only comes through faith in Jesus, we will be able to say about our accomplishments, about our gains, that they are trash and garbage and loss that we may gain and know Jesus. And we will be able to rejoice in the Lord always, even when our circumstances, even when our family and our friends and our jobs and our money and our stuff fail us, we will still be able to rejoice in the Lord because our trust, our confidence is in Jesus alone. David, in the Old Testament, he is on the run for his life once again. It's kind of a theme of David's life. <laughs> Before he became king, he spent a lot of time on the run from Saul. After he became king, he ends up on the run from his son. And it's during this time when he is on the run from his son Absalom that he shows us what it looks like to put confidence in the Lord. He shows us what it looks like to rejoice in the Lord always, even when his circumstances and other people are failing him. And we have this beautiful poem or song in Psalm 63. David writes in verse 1, and he says this, and I just want you to imagine that David is on the run for his life. His son has thrown a coup of his kingdom, uh, is trying to kill him. He is in the wilderness, in the desert, and this is what he writes. He says, you, God are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. For David, not only was he literally in a desert and parched land, but he had to feel all alone. His own children were turning against him. David's circumstances were that his son was trying to overthrow him and kill him. David had a lot that he could have been upset about, but instead, notice what David does. Instead, he trusts in God. He says, I seek you with everything that I am. Friends, I don't know what you are facing. I don't know what you are going through. Maybe even like David, you feel like that you are in a parched and dry land. I want to tell you this morning, rejoice in the Lord still. Behold God's power and his glory. Be reminded this morning of who God is is. Friends, this is why Jesus, when he taught us to pray, he, he starts out by telling us to praise God. He says, our father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Because guys, when we focus on who God is, when we get to the rest of our, our needs and our other things, they get put into perspective. David, even on the run for his life, is praising the name of God and seeking him with everything that he is. Remembering who God is helps us, especially when our circumstances and our situations and our relationships and our jobs and everything else that we try to put our trust in are failing us. 
when we remember who God is, it helps put everything else in its right place. So friends, are you on the mountaintop this morning? Well, then thank God and praise him. Are you in the valley, in the dry and parched land? Well, still praise God this morning. Look at what David says in the next verse in Psalm 63. He says, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the riches of food, with singing lips, my mouth will praise you. So even though David is on the run, most likely without water and without food, notice his references to trusting in, in God for, as a source of, of water and a source of food, right? He keeps, most likely he doesn't have a lot of this on the run, okay? But he says, even so, I am fully satisfied because the love of God is better than life. And for David, he praises the name of God even when all of his circumstances are failing. Friends, when we put our confidence in Jesus alone, we can rejoice in the Lord. We can praise God despite our ever-changing circumstances. So whatever, wherever you are, praise the name of God. Even if everyone and everything is going against you, praise his name still. When you lay down at night and when you get up in the morning, remember that it is God who is your help and cling to him. Trust fully in him. That's exactly what David tells us next in verse six. He says, on my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of night because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Friends, when we put our confidence in the flesh, we will always be disappointed. But when we put our confidence in Jesus, we can rejoice in the Lord no matter what is falling apart, no matter what is failing us, because the love of God never will, as we sing in the song. Friends, what are you putting your confidence in? What are you putting your trust in this morning? Are you putting your confidence and your trust in yourself, in your own abilities, or in other people, or in stuff? Friends, won't you come today and put your trust in Jesus alone? Won't you come and repent of your sins? Come and whatever you consider as gain, will you come and consider it as loss that you may gain Jesus and know him? Will you come and meet Jesus in baptism today? Come and find joy that is only found by putting your faith and your trust and your confidence in Jesus. Paul said, I consider them all garbage that I may gain Christ 
and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Friends, come today and put your trust in Jesus alone. Come today and find joy for your journey. We pray with me today. Father, thank you for the examples of David, the examples of Paul, who show us that despite our circumstances, despite everything failing us and uh, others and, and stuff falling apart, Father, despite all of that, we can have joy. We can rejoice in you when we put our confidence not in ourselves, not in our flesh, but when we put our confidence in your son, Jesus. When we trust that he is all that we need. Father, if there are those that are here this morning who have been trying to do it on their own, who have been trying to accomplish it or add something to it or been trying to clean themselves up, Father, would you call them to yourselves today? Would you let them know that they can consider all of that garbage and loss that they may gain your son, and that you have freely given them forgiveness and grace because your son has paid the price in full. Would you call them today to put their trust in you? God, for those of us who have already put our trust in your son Jesus, but We slide back into this arrogance, into this pride, thinking that we need to add something to it. We need to to, to do something to repay it, Father. Would you you humble us? Father, for those of us who are, are like David this morning and feel like we're in the middle of the parched land, in the middle of the desert, Father, would you help us to seek you with everything that we are? Would you help us to put our trust in you alone? Would you help us to praise your name even in the valley? Father, we thank you that even though happiness is here today and gone tomorrow, that we can rejoice in you because of your son, Jesus. We can put confidence in what he has accomplished on our behalf. Father, would you help remind us of that this week? We ask all of this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, maybe this morning you like David, feel like you are in the wilderness and you feel all alone, we want you to know this morning that you don't have to be. We would love to walk side by side with you through the messiness of your life with you. And I would love to talk with you and pray with you today, but we would love to get you connected to a group of followers of Jesus who can walk with you daily through the messiness of your life. And here at Journey Church, we find these followers of Jesus in life groups. Man, we would love to get you connected and plugged into a life group. We have a number of different ones that meet throughout the area and throughout the week. And we'd love to get you connected so that you can not walk through this life alone. 
that we can walk with it, walk through this life with you side by side. We'd love to connect with you today. Friends, we're going to move into our time of communion. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we invite you to join us in this time. It's a a time that we get to remember uh, the, the price that Jesus has paid on our behalf. The, the cost that has been paid in full for our forgiveness to pay our debt. And if you didn't grab communion on your way in, you can raise your hand. I think uh, Taylor and Kevin are there in the back. They'll bring that right to you at your seat. But we are reminded through the bread and the cup, we are reminded of the body and the blood of Jesus and the price that he has paid for our forgiveness. And so we ask, as Paul asked, that you would use this time, that you would examine your life that you would use this time to confess your sins to God and prepare your hearts and your minds. And when you are ready, let's remember together the price that Jesus has paid for our forgiveness. And let's remember and proclaim together his death, his burial, and his resurrection together this morning. So if you're a follower of Jesus, we invite you to join us in this time. If if you're here and you need to put your trust in Jesus for the first time, I'm going to head out to the lobby. Or if you need somebody to pray or talk with you, come and talk with me today. When you're ready, let's remember together.